Three, two, one, and we are live. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate you guys. Um, a couple different things. I've decided to do something a little bit different with this weekly podcast that I put out. There's some more of the things I'd like to do in the future, but uh, those are in the works yet. Normally what I do is Monday morning I pull our Sunday audio and from YouTube or, or wherever and I pull the audio out of the video and then I kind of chop it up and put it out as a podcast. But I've decided that uh, I'm going to try this for a while. I'm going to try um, recording it. And there's a couple of reasons for that, uh, to record it separately. Uh, one is the audio quality. The audio quality is so much better this way than it is when you pull the audio off of another video because you've got the, the whole room ambience and all that kind of stuff going on. And, uh, another reason is, is that, um, this is, this is a viable platform to speak to people and you guys are important. And I think that it's worth making the effort to do a recording specifically for this. And it's the same thought that I talked about the day before, but it's had a little bit of time to mellow, kind of settle down, I guess you could say, and maybe uh, pull some things out that weren't quite as relevant as they could be. And just a little more calm because Sundays for me are always, they're always chaotic on Sunday morning. There's a million different things going on and a hundred different questions and a hundred things to organize. Whereas when I come into the office on Monday morning, uh, there's a 99% drop off on all of that stuff. And I have a little bit of time to contemplate and think about and reflect on what happened the day before. And this helps me do that. And I'm hoping that it's better for you and better for me both. So, yeah, appreciate you tuning in and taking the time to listen. And that's just kind of a little introduction to why I've decided to record these this way. But we're talking about, or I've been going through for, for quite some time now, um, several weeks, I've been defining different words that Christians use that maybe depending on who you talk to, they might define the word a little bit differently. Words like Christianity and church and religion and things like that. Sometimes they have negative connotations with them. Sometimes over time, language tends to drift. There's slang language, things like that. So language is a living thing and it changes over time. And sometimes it's good to take the time to define what a word means biblically for people who want to know that. In the word that we're defining today is the word blessed. And this week, I, the past week, last week, I guess it is now, but I did a, a search for the hashtag blessed on Instagram. And it, there was over 142 million posts that had been tagged with the word blessed. And that sounds like a lot, but it's probably a moderate amount considering that there are, I think, 100 million posts a day made on Instagram. But hashtag blessed, and when you when you search a hashtag, it it gives you um, other ways it's used as well. Uh, for instance, uh, the second most popular hashtag under blessed was blessed life with uh, two point three million posts, I think it was, and then number three was was blessed with curls, and that one had a hundred and thirty thousand posts. Who knows? Maybe that one was a little sarcastic for some of those, but. 
I scrolled down through all the pictures. Well, not all of them, but I looked at a lot of the pictures that had been hashtagged blessed just out of curiosity to see what people are associating that word with. And someone had posted a picture of a new handbag and someone had posted a picture of some new clothes, um, a picture of their car, their family. Someone had posted a picture of their teddy bear, which was kind of cool. There were people on holiday. There were a lot of selfies, of course. And um, someone had bought a new house. Uh, someone had a new hair color. And all these different photos had been hashtagged as blessed. So many photos, 142 million of them. Uh, a lot of reasons for people to feel blessed. And the word blessed in English comes from the old English word meaning blood which is, you know, a, a lot of people would probably say, well, that sounds a little different, but it comes from the old English word blood, and we can draw a connection between the shed blood of Jesus and the word blessed. And blessed is a very biblical and Christian word. It's one that we can, you know, if you're a Christian, um, that's one that you can kind of like claim to as our own. Um, and one of the things that I think makes the word blessed unique, it you know, being a distinctly Christian word is that unlike most of the other words we've talked about, like church and Christianity and religion and things like that, is it generally doesn't have the same negative connotations that come with it like those other words. The word blessed is almost always positive. It's a word that, um, you know, Christian and non-Christian people often use in a positive way. And personally, I've never heard of anyone being offended by the word blessed. Yeah, which is, that's, I guess you could say that's no mean feat in today's world. Uh, it may have happened at some point, but I haven't heard of it personally. And I kind of have a theory as to why that is. Um, and I think it's because when someone uses the word blessed, they feel prosperous in some way. There's a lot of positive feeling that comes with it. And I also theorize that however vague or mild the connection might be the when someone uses the word blessed, it's to express gratitude and recognize God's provision. Like I say, it might be very vague. It might be very mild, but I think the word blessed pretty much carries that with it almost anytime it's used. And it makes us happy to do that. It makes us happy to recognize, um, deity, to recognize God, to express gratitude. And it's recognition of receiving something that comes from beyond ourselves, something outside of our own efforts. You know, a blessing is something we receive. It's not something we make. And I also think another reason the word blessed enjoys a positive reception is because it removes the human factor words like church or Christian are sometimes viewed in a negative way because of a past experience or a perception given to someone by people who may be claimed to be part of those things, like someone who says they're a Christian or uh, someone who says they're part of church, but they've given someone, you know, whether they intended to or not, or even whether those perceptions are real or not is kind of irrelevant to the point. But um, those things often carry with them negative um, perceptions and experiences. I was involved in a men's group at one point, and there were some guys who were part of this group, and they were some who had a very negative 
past experience with things like growing up in a Christian household that was very legalistic and very harsh. And they carried that with them uh, well into adulthood. And there's a message there for parents in, you know, if you're, if you're really hard on your kids and you're very legalistic with your kids and you use God as an excuse to do that, um, as soon as that kid gets old enough to run away, that's what they're going to do. And they're going to run away from God and religion and all those things. So it's something to be careful with as a parent. But back to this, this group of men I was working with. And when it came to those negative experiences and attempting to work through those, one of the things I said was that God is, is good and God is great, but his PR department doesn't live up to who he is, nor will it ever. Um, people, churches, Christians, they're just, we're never going to be able to represent God in a way that really and truly represents who he is. And if you have a negative experience with Christianity or religion, uh, if you don't find a way to work around the human aspect of that, to discover who God really is in what he's done for us and take time to understand that you're really doing yourself a great disservice. Um, you're really missing out on something great, but the word blessed does that in my opinion, it circumvents a lot of the perceived negativity and experience that people might get hung up on, you know, and some of that is absolutely legitimate. Some of it is nothing more than a perception. Um, but either way, the word blessed works around that. And we're going to talk about several different ways the word blessed is used in the Bible. When people use the word blessed, it's mostly in relation to being prosperous or material gain or feeling happy in some way. And those are legitimate and reasonable and biblical ways to use the word blessed. Um, when God calls Abraham out of his homeland in Genesis chapter 12, he says to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless them who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And God did bless Abraham. He blessed him with wealth and family. And there's a lot more to it than just the material side of it. And we'll get into that more. But saying I'm blessed with material wealth and prosperity is a valid and legitimate use of the word. And it can also be used in the sense of enjoying happiness. Like we talked about last week that happiness is something that comes and goes with circumstances. It's dependent on circumstances, but associating being blessed with happiness is also a reasonable, legitimate and biblical use of the word in Psalm chapter one, the opening of the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is just a giant storehouse of human experience. You, whatever experience you might be going through or struggling with or dealing with or joyous about, there's probably a Psalm that would fit well with whatever you're going through. But the very first Psalm, the very first word of the first Psalm of the entire book of 150 Psalms is blessed. And this is what it says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And I spent a little bit of time learning Hebrew, 
and did some classes and things. And I think I probably left knowing less than when I started. Um, Hebrew is a very different language. Uh, the written language doesn't have vowels, but the spoken language does have vowels. It's written back to front compared to what we're used to. It's, it's very different. And the book of Psalms was really written in Hebrew, and it begins with the word blessed. Now, normally, we use blessed as an adjective to describe a noun. And in this verse, it's an interjection. And what that means is, if I were to say, wow, 142 million posts, that's a lot of hashtags. Wow is an interjection. It shows sudden feeling or emotion. And that word blessed, not only is it an interjection, it's also a plural interjection. And in English, words like verbs and nouns are numbered with either singular or plural, which is singular is one and plural is two or more. But in Hebrew, words are numbered singular for one, then dual, which is two, or plural, which is three or more. So the first psalm is saying that whoever does these things that uh, that that are listed here, whoever does these things is at least triple happy. And you can also see in that, even that here that happiness is based on circumstances and it will change with circumstances, but associating happiness with the word blessed is a biblical and legitimate use of the word. Now the consequential thing about the word blessed is that it recognizes where the happiness and prosperity find their source. And this is very important. We think about that. Am I blessed by God or by what I have? And there's a big difference in those two lines of thinking. And when we start viewing the source of our blessing as the source of, or if we start viewing our blessing as the source of happiness and prosperity that's when we get into trouble, when we start viewing uh, whatever it may be, whether we have something, some kind of prosperity, wealth, gain, whatever it is. If we start viewing that as a source of our happiness and the source of our prosperity, that's when we get into trouble. That's when the thing becomes an idol and takes the place of God. And when we are blessed, we are in, in a general way, we're strengthened or made better off in some way through the blessing. And we experience some kind of improvement when we are blessed. When God blesses us, we get better in some way. We're strengthened. We're made. We're better off. We're we're improved in some way. Now, here's another use of the word, and I'm going to read from Psalm 100, verse four, and Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse ten. And the Psalm 100, verse four says this: It says, "Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise." Be thankful to him and bless his name. And then uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10 says, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And when God blesses us, as I said, we experience some kind of improvement. We're strengthened or life is made better in some way. But these verses talk about us blessing God. And what does it mean for us to bless him? Because obviously it's not the same thing as him blessing us. We bless God when we magnify or exalt him. We bless God when we worship. You know, it's not that we make him more than he already is or strengthen him in some way, but we can magnify him and exalt him in our own lives. 
we can strengthen the place he has in our lives. That's how we bless God. And blessing God is like this. It's similar to if you are a parent and you give your child a gift. And we probably all seen the scenario. A kid receives a gift and they're excited and they're happy about it and they freak out and then they run off and play with their friends. And a parent, you know, every parent's happy to see their child happy. But there's also the scenario where the kid receives a gift and the first thing the kid does when they receive that gift is they set the gift aside and they hug their parent and express their gratitude. That's different. And that's similar to the way we bless God. We praise God, we glorify him, we express gratitude, we worship him. So that's another use of the word blessed. And if we hop over into the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, and verses 5 through 7, Jesus gives us a list of things here. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We talked about using the word blessed in regards to prosperity and wealth as a reasonable and legitimate way of using the word, but that's certainly not the only way to use the word. And something we learn in these verses is that not having what might be viewed as wealth and prosperity does not mean even remotely that someone is not blessed or that we are not blessed. You don't have to have those things. You don't have to have prosperity or wealth to be endowed with divine favor and protection, which is the way Jesus is using the word blessed in these verses, endowed with divine favor and protection. And he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And meek, you know, it it sounds like weak, but it doesn't mean weak. Um, What it does mean is humble, gentle, and not aggressive. It's kind of like someone who has the strength to sit and listen to a opposing point of view without fighting without feeling the need to win an argument, but just listening to understand the other person. I suppose that's how uh, I would uh, illustrate the word meek. So it, it, it means humble. It means gentle. It means not aggressive. And of course, you know, this is all happening in the Roman empire when Jesus says these things. And in the Roman empire, uh, meekness is not a trait that was valued. You know, being humble, being gentle, not being aggressive. Um, those things didn't have much value in the Roman Empire. And Jesus also says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And when Jesus spoke, he always used sayings and illustrations that were directly relatable to the culture and people of the day. Um, their lives centered around agriculture. So he used a lot of those kinds of illustrations when he was speaking. And I think that's an example to be followed, you know, wherever we are, if we are relating biblical things to people, um, we need to understand the context in which we're doing it and the culture and the people we're speaking to. Um, because if we're not, we're really going to miss, miss a lot of opportunity. And there are some things in the Bible that are hard to understand, obviously, um, Many people would understand that, but we can often make better sense of them when we look to understand the people Jesus was speaking to in that moment. 
And the people Jesus spoke to were often poor. And that's why they were so keen to make him king and follow him when he fed them. When Jesus, you know, fed people and broke the loaves and fishes and did all of that. People people loved it and they wanted to make him king. Um, but that's for the same reason they stopped following when they found out that wasn't going to be a regular thing. And they were poor and people struggled. Life was a struggle and they were subject to the Roman empire. They were second class citizens. They were controlled by landlords and Pharisees and Roman rulers. And their life lot in life was not great. And when Jesus says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they understood hunger and thirst in a different way than most of us would. When we are hungry, we think something like, well, you know, dinner's an hour away. I can wait that long. And when they were hungry, there would be times when they thought, I wonder when I will get to eat again. So a totally different experience with those words. They understood hunger and thirst in a way that the majority of us have not experienced. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And there's a lot we can draw from that. And Jesus is saying, if you desire, if you want to establish, um, you know, and obey God's standard in area, every area of life, if you desire that, like a hungry person desires food, that's going to happen. And there's also a connection between the physical and spiritual self, physical food and spiritual food, and how our need for... physical food is as great and as foundational as our need for right relationship with God. The two are, are of the utmost important in life and without either one, you will die. And we understand well in our culture today, our physical side, um, we understand that if we neglect and starve our physical body, our health is going to suffer. Or if we don't, you know, eat the right food and take good care of ourselves or we eat too much junk, we're going to suffer for that. It's not going to be good for us. But one thing that we have forgotten is our spiritual side. And we're just as much a spiritual being as we are a physical one. And just like our physical side, if we neglect our spiritual well-being and health, that's going to suffer. And I, you know, again, I would draw a connection there between a, a lot of issues that we deal with, a lot of mental health issues and problems and families falling apart. And there's all kinds of difficulties in the world that are the result of neglecting our spirituality. But a little bit off topic, but still, the, the the message is there. And Jesus also says, blessed are the merciful. Mercy is, again, a trait that was something, it wouldn't have been embraced in the Roman Empire. And what mercy is, is the way grace deals with misery and suffering. And again, that's a uniquely Christian thing when... Um, you know, it's just because of Christians that things like hospitals exist, for instance. Um, but to be merciful means being generous. It means to be forgiving. It means having compassion for people who are suffering 
and then also working to alleviate that suffering, even if they don't deserve it, even if they, you know, have a different worldview, disagree with you, oppose the way you think. Being merciful means forgiving, having compassion, and helping people who are suffering. In through these things that we read about in these verses, Jesus puts forth here as the means of great gain, um, these different things. And they're all very countercultural traits that would not have been valued in the Roman empire being meek, starving for a relationship with God, being merciful. You know, they're, they're not really valued today. Um, mercy, mercy might have some value, but being meek, um, starving for, uh, righteousness relationship with God. Yeah, not so much, but the, people Jesus is speaking to would understand these well. And Jesus says, if you do these things, you will be blessed. And I think one of the many important lessons that we gather from this is we learn that not being wealthy and prosperous doesn't mean you're not blessed. It doesn't mean God can't bless you in that way. It doesn't mean that he doesn't do that. But also not having those kinds of things doesn't mean you're not blessed. People who are viewed uh, as weak and poor may very well be blessed with God's favor and protection. Um, Genesis chapter one, clear back to the very first chapter of the Bible now. And this is what Genesis chapter one, verse 28 says, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on earth. In the beginning, God creates Adam and Eve, and he blesses them. He sets them apart from the rest of creation. He has a special relationship with Adam and Eve, and he sets them apart for a purpose. And their job is to be the caretakers of creation who have perfect fellowship with God. And they are blessed. And unfortunately, what happens is uh, the Bible goes on to tell us how all of that was destroyed. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and experience the loss of perfect fellowship with God and the loss of life in the garden. They had one rule, and don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and they broke it, and hence, you know, uh, things went uh, pear-shaped from there. And with that came all the things that we still experience today, pain and childbirth for women, marital strife, uh, the soil would be cursed. It would grow thorns and thistles. Survival would be a struggle. And death came into the world. And that's the way it's been from that point forward. All of those things became the inescapable fate of all living things. And the experience of every person since then has been exactly what God said it would be. But in that, God also extends grace and mercy and he promises a way of reconciliation. He promised that one born of a woman would destroy the power of Satan. And there's one more way the word blessed is used that we're looking at today. And it covers all the ways we've talked about up to this point. It's kind of a generic term that, that covers all of them. And it's this. It's blessed, blessed is welcome contrast to past experience. Even though we're alienated from God, he provides the possibility of a welcome contrast from that past experience. He makes a way of reconciliation with him possible. And 
our experience is exactly what God said it would be. Strive, struggle, and suffering. And life is hard. And if you've been around any time at all, you understand that. But God also provides a blessing of a welcome contrast to that past experience. The word blessed comes from blood, as in the blood of Jesus. And that welcome contrast to past experience is made possible through the shed blood of Jesus. And that's a blessing God offers us through his son, Jesus. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross, was to make reconciliation possible with God. Um, He suffered so we don't have to. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, God offers us a gift of redemption, reconciliation, and eternal life. And I hope you are someone who understands that or at least considers it seriously and what that means to you and what that means for eternity and how that you can recognize the need for a savior, recognize that we are separated from God and he provided a savior for us in Jesus. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, God extends us mercy and gives us the gift of redemption, reconciliation, and eternal life. Well, I'm grateful for you taking the time to listen. I appreciate it. I hope you've found this helpful. And uh, I hope this format works well for you. And yeah, look forward to catching you again next week. I hope you enjoy your day wherever you are. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Have a good one.